We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show. Happy Monday. Start a new week. Monday edition of the show. That means we have plenty of news over the weekend to catch up on. I am Trevor Lane. You can find me over on X at Trevor underscore Lane. Joined by Kate Smith at Kate Smith NBA. Before we get into all the news, if you haven't done so yet, follow us here on the, the, the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button there. And then, of course, turn on notifications as well. And then do the same over on the podcast side. Do both. Do both. Watch us. Watch us on the video. And then, like, if you're driving or something, subscribe to the podcast side over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And then you can just listen to us if you're driving to the car or whatever on the podcast side. So make sure you guys do give us a follow. Keith, new week starting up. Are you ready for it? Yeah, I think so. I I, I, I think I'm going to be ready for it. We, uh, you know, we uh, are going to be childless for most of this week. We're dropping our daughter off at the airport at 3 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, they are headed to Washington, D.C. for a school trip, uh, the entire eighth grade class, which sounds like oh. an absolute nightmare to me, and I'm glad I'm not going uh, on this one. Uh, but, yeah, so we're, we're it's going to be all about uh, – basketball and just hanging out and probably doing whatever we want we've already got like all these meals planned that things she doesn't like so <laughs> and no running around to soccer practices at night or anything like that so it's going to be weird to to wake up and kind of just start the day without a school drop off and no afternoon interruptions or anything so it's gonna you be a little get, weird but yeah you get a little sneak preview of what the uh the empty nester <laughs> life will will uh, will someday we're not going to get ahead of ourselves yeah. but we'll someday be like it's coming up quicker than, than I like to think about because it's uh we're, we're only about four and a half years away here before she she's gonna be off to college. So that's why I'm uh you know I'm making sure I don't miss anything other than this Washington DC trip because that just sounds horrendous to me. So not DC itself. I like Washington DC, but being there with uh 80 some odd eighth graders, yeah. I'm I'm glad I'm staying home. I, I have done plenty of trips with eighth graders in the past. I've done a Washington Washington DC trip. Fortunately, I was sent as a department and not with eighth graders, which was which was great. But uh, but having taken eighth graders to places like like Disneyland before, uh, yeah, you're you're probably you're probably making the right call there, <laughs> hanging yep. back and and enjoying the Absolutely. the child free life for, for just a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's let's get into it. And I, and I wish you know I wish we got to jump into like exciting trade news or something yeah. but unfortunately we've got a, a rough story from the from the weekend kelly Oubre jr who was off to a, a fantastic start to the season looked like 
one of the better veteran minimum signings, maybe the best veteran minimum signing of the offseason uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers, hit by a car, uh, was taken to the hospital, he was in stable condition, turns out he broke a rib, he's pretty banged up, with, I mean, you would expect if you're hit by a car, and so he's expected to miss now significant time. Um, really, really tough for a player who, look, if you're a guy like Kelly Oubre and you sign a veteran minimum contract, the goal is to not have to sign another veteran minimum contract the next year to prove to everybody, hey, you shouldn't be on this deal anymore. He was well on his way to doing mm -hmm. that. And now, now he's going to have to sit out for a while as he recovers and then get back up to speed. Yeah, and we we don't have any sense of how long. Uh, all no. that's come out was he was going to be uh, rechecked in a week. But this is not... I, the way I'm reading all of this, this is not like an injury reevaluation in a week. Like a guy rolls an ankle, we'll look at it in a week. It sounds like this is more of a medical recheck. Like, let's make sure that rib didn't poke anything when it broke. Yeah. Let's, you know, really uh, check on all the, you know, cuts and bruising that he has because it sounds like that's uh, fairly extensive too. So, you know, I, I hope they find the person because the, you know, really sad part of this is uh, the person fled the scene. Uh, mm. Too, so they 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 hit him, and it sounds like it could have been worse. It sounds like it was their mirror uh, that actually caught him, but they were traveling at such a high rate of speed that it like you know wiped them out and clearly broke a rib. So you know, thankfully, it wasn't a step further into the crosswalk or wherever yeah. it was he was crossing the street. So uh, you know, be be careful out there. You know, it's uh, you know crazy, and you know, pay pay attention when you're driving, and you know, hopefully, your things that ends up okay uh, with him and all that because you're absolutely right. He was having a great season. Uh, you know, one of the better seasons he you know, has had, and this is a guy who's been been a good player. I've always felt like he's gotten a little bit of a bad rap because he's mostly a scorer. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in what he does, but he's just one of those guys. He he believes every time that he can score on whoever's defending him, and this year he's doing it quite well. So Philly's got. Fortunately for them, some extra depth from the James Harden trade, especially at that forward position. But yeah, let's hope. But I'm hopeful, you know, maybe Christmas or New Year's, maybe we see Kelly Uber Jr. back in the lineup. And, mm -hmm. you know, hope, and, and I don't know, maybe that's way too early. Maybe it's more like, like February. But let's hope he gets back on the floor of the season and picks right up where he left off. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hopefully we get a, a speedy recovery here for him because, uh, man, I mean, it was. I'll tell you what, Keith, you know, when that when that story first came out and said Kelly Hubri Jr. you know was hit by a car, I mean my 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 heart dropped for a minute and I went, oh no, like this this could have been, you know, much, much worse. Um, but even so, this is gonna be a bit of a recovery for him and hopefully, hopefully it does um happen quickly. Cause this is not the type of thing we typically you know, this isn't like a sprained ankle or or something like that that he's recovering from. Thankfully, in the initial tweets and reports, like they were very clear that he was, and I'm using the term okay, like yeah. kind of, you know, being quotes there because it's, it's, he was okay, not, you know, seriously injured, you know, as far as, you know, life threatening injuries or anything go. So that, that part was, was good because you didn't have to get there. He was hit by a car and then just wait and wait and wait for, you know, a further update. So, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's super scary, you know, to, to get that. And we, you know, when I'm in the same boat when that came in and I saw, you know, however it was phrased up to like Philadelphia 76 ers forward, Kelly Ubrey was hit by a car. I was like, Oh no. Yeah. Right? So yeah, you know, I'm very, very thankful. You know, like I said before that he wasn't a step further into the street or the crosswalk or wherever he was. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and not to, not to make a, joke out of it i guess maybe i 
I'm debating whether or not I should even say this, but I'm thankful that they didn't report it the way that Michael Scott reported hitting Meredith with the yes, car. Yes, right? That yeah. Was, yeah, that was that <laughs> yeah, was awful. Yeah, Michael was, uh, yeah, he was a little out of bounds on that one. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, let's get to our next topic, and that is simply the Clippers. Uh, winless now with, with James Harden. Uh, continue to have problems lost to the Memphis Grizzlies, who are at the bottom of the table in the Western Conference. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not things are clunky, which Keith, I'm seeing a lot of people that are already just shoveling dirt on the Clippers. And far be it from me to not take an opportunity to shovel dirt on the Clippers, right? But but I do think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Like, yes, you would expect them to win a few more games here, but I also didn't expect that integrating James Harden would just be a seamless, easy transition and off you go and everything is just flying at the moment. It, it, I figured it was going to take some time for them to figure out how to play together. And maybe they never do. Maybe they never figure out how to play together. Let's face it. Russell Westbrook is not an easy guy to figure out how to play with, right? To He's not a guy that you just slot into any system and he adapts to whatever's around him. That's not him. He is the system. James Harden said, I am the system, right? He's also not a guy that you just slot into any system. So putting the two of them together, it very well could be difficult, but I do think that the uh, rumors of their demise are, are a bit premature here, even if it has been um, very disappointing for Clippers fans so far. Yeah, I, I think it's, for me, what's more worrisome is it's just the way they look. Like, yeah. Harden, he he looks he looks out of shape right now, which I guess he basically missed training camp, and we're just kind of ramping him up here. And maybe you know, if he'd started with them right away to start the year, we would have seen – him kind of rounding into form here a little bit, but it, it's just, it's, it, it's messy. You know, they, he looked good in the first quarter yesterday. I watched that game. And then after the first quarter, he completely kind of no showed and disappeared and didn't look very good. He's putting in even for him, very little effort on defense uh, so far. And that's been a team that I love that you have to throw in even for him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, and that's been kind of their calling card, even, you know, as this team has gone through a lot of different stuff with injuries and various iterations around Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they've always been a pretty solid defensive team. So, uh, you know, Ty Lu dropped bones Highland from the rotation mm-hmm. because he didn't want to be too small on the second unit. Uh, so, so that leaves kind of Highland out right now, uh, not playing, which is tough because he was playing pretty well. He's averaging about 12 points per game uh, for the Clippers in games off the bench. And then he started a couple games while Harden was, was uh, getting integrated into the team. So just a weird, weird spot for them right now. And I think the challenge for them is going to be the West doesn't look quite like the juggernaut we thought it was going to be. Instead, it looks like we might have a whole lot of teams that are just kind of okay in the middle where that's injuries or just they're not as good as we thought they were going to be. But you still don't want to be losing ground and playing from behind uh, for too long. And they're three and six right now. They've lost five in a row. Uh, so that's you know certainly not a place you want to be in if you're the Clippers uh, you know, as they go forward. And the other problem is there's not a lot of easy fixes out of this with this roster because they don't, they're, they're kind of out of, you know, really tradable salary that mm-hmm. doesn't belong to a player that's kind of a key rotation guy on the team. So that that becomes another uh, tricky point to make. So we, we could have some hard decisions uh, being made down the line here by this team. Yeah, I do think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what the 
what the Clippers ultimately do rotation-wise? Do you split up Westbrook? Do you split up and, and Harden? How do you make this work? But again, I, I do think that at some point they're just kind of going to they're they're going to figure it out. They're going to sure. figure it out at, at some point. And if that if that means some difficult conversations have to be had, then then so be it. Um, as far as the West goes, it's kind of what I expected. They're all kind of beating the hell out of each other right now. Uh, it isn't always pretty. Yeah. But you have a lot of teams that are all about the same. And so that's when it's hard to differentiate between between some of them. But um it's I think it's too I think bottom line, it's just it's too early to completely write off the Clippers, but yeah, Tyloo has got he's got a situation on his hands to to sort through. And I think he ultimately will, but it's gonna take a little bit of time. And two things to kind of keep an eye on. This was uh first was mentioned by the Hoop Collective. Um mm-hmm. It, it, these two things are related, but they were talking about that if Ty Lu moves on from Russell Westbrook, it wasn't going to be moving him to the bench. It sounds like it was going to be like you just are out, like you don't play, oh. and then either you're traded or waived or whatever uh, because he just didn't feel comfortable putting him on the bench. And so we'll see, you know, and there's always the chance that changes as the season goes along. The second thing was I don't know how they're going to craft lineups especially if they want to go with this starting group where it's Westbrook, Harden, and Zubach on the floor together because it just yeah. doesn't work. It's three guys that teams just – they they don't really uh, – Westbrook and Zubach, they just don't really care to defend um, all that much. And with Harden, teams are showing him a little bit of a different level of uh, worry with, with him with the ball. And what's tough is I don't think James Harden is a guy who can ISO – 50, 60 times a game anymore and yeah. create something for himself or others. I think he's still very effective in pick and roll, but they don't have Joel Embiid, right? Like that's where he was so good last year was either he came off, he found Embiid or came off the defense adjusted and he picked out a shooter or a cutter and, you know, set it up that way. I don't think, you know, finding the switches. I mean, Memphis last night was content. I guess yesterday afternoon it was said, Santi Aldama, pick him up on switches. And Santi Aldama was like, I got this. And had no worry, no problem defending Harden one-on-one. And, like, that's just Oof. not, you know, where we expect James Harden to be. So no. it's it's he's got to get himself really going. And then they, they've got a lot of lineup stuff to figure out. So those are just a couple things to keep an eye on that are related uh, to the team post-Harden trade. All right. The Lakers. A little bit of injury news. Jared Vanderbilt has been... Uh, cleared to begin his progression towards a return. He was dealing with left heel bursitis. Good news there. We haven't seen him since the Lakers' first preseason game. So Jared Vanderbilt is on his way back. They also made a big shift, putting Cam Reddish into the starting lineup and shifting Austin Reeves to the bench. Darvin Ham has been careful to note that this is not a demotion for <laughs> Austin Reeves. Um, and... I think a lot of it has to do with the absence of Gabe Vincent. The Lakers were put in this weird spot where they essentially, when they started D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves together, not only were they having some issues on the boards and also defensively, but they were also having a problem of one of those guys has to be the backup point guard with the second unit because Gabe Vincent isn't there. And so it created kind of a funky rotation. So by sort of splitting the two guys up, it's only been two games, but it seems like both players has benefited from kind of being the guy for the stretch that they're on the floor. They do still overlap a bit, but there's a lot more of separation between the two of them where each one gets their own segment of the game to kind of run the show. 
I think that's the key to it because, and I know LeBron didn't play last night, but when you're in a spot when no matter who you are, if if LeBron and AD are there, you're the third and fourth guy. Like it it just doesn't really matter what your name is and what your status is in the league. Unless you like, unless somehow it was Giannis or, you know, somebody like that, Mm -hmm. you're going to slot in the the three, four pecking order slots. And then that, and I'm not, I'm going to say it this way, but knowing it's not like they were out there like a, you know, uh, five-year-old basketball game where two kids are fighting over the ball that are teammates, like they're fighting for touches and reps, right? Because there's only so many that are going to go around for non LeBron and AD uh, usage plays. So by splitting them up, yeah, you do effectively. Now you kind of cover, you cover the 48 minutes of point guard play. Plus you allow for, whatever time you know they overlap to is probably going to come with one of LeBron or AD off the floor um, too for as long as it, this lasts. And, and I think if you're Austin Reeves, I mean, I had a little bit of fun with the, you know, it's not a demotion, it's a realignment thing because that was actually like very eerily similar phrase that was said to me in my former career once. And it was like, wait, so I'm not in charge anymore. And then I eventually was like, Hey, you didn't take any money away from me and you took responsibility away. All right. This. Well, okay. You know, it is what it is, <laughs> right. but, um, but it was funny, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I, I do think as long as Austin Reeves is still playing 30 yeah. minutes a night, it doesn't really matter Jeez. if he you know, starts and he's going to finish, you know, more games than he's not going to finish uh, for the Lakers as well. On the Jared Vanderbilt front, they need him back because they need him on the boards. Like yeah. they're, they're just they've a bad crushed. rebounding team. Like and and I don't I it's this is where it's kind of showing up that LeBron is you got kind of have to play him at the four now, mm-hmm. and he's no longer he's not going to get you ten rebounds a night anymore in his career. Like that's just not who he is. And then the guards are not great rebounders. Like they're okay rebounders for guards. So you just needed to get. You need to get Vanderbilt back in there because he's yeah. a guy who he'll go out there and either his activity will create them or he'll be blocking guys out. And he just knows what he's doing on that and you know on on the defensive glass especially. So it's you think this is all stuff that's fixable, but it's just you know weird kind of roster constructions. And then you then you do you have enough shooting? It's just kind kind of the position you're in with LeBron at this point in his career where it's hard to find those exact perfect fits around him. Where it used to be, he was the most plug and play player in the world because he could defend anybody two through four. Now he doesn't really do that quite as much. So you're a little bit more limited in your roster or lineup constructions, I guess is a better way. So Keith, it, it's a, a lot of it has been blown box outs by a number of Lakers plays, including LeBron, to be honest, mm-hmm. he's been, been great, but he's also, he, he's not closed out on shooters <laughs> more often than not. Yeah. He's not boxed out. He's done, you know, but again, he's, does year a lot of other things. In the NBA or whatever exactly. It is. Probably exactly. I'm not going to expect them to do all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say final thing on the whole Darvin Ham and the Austin Reeves Delo thing. I actually thought, and look, we've been plenty critical of Darvin Ham, but um, I thought it was very smart the way he approached it. He said, look, Austin, you're going to come off the bench now, but I'm committing to you closing games. So that's yeah. kind of the, the give and take is D'Angelo Russell gets to start. But Austin, you get to be our closer to, to finish out games. I'm sure there'll be opportunities where Dilo will be on the floor as well to close. But I thought that was a a, a smart compromise for him. To, so he doesn't, he's not taking a very, very important player for the team and completely alienating him by just saying, hey, you're on the bench now. He's saying, no, we we still need you. We, we This is just something as a team we need to do. 
And even though you're not going to start, I'm going to make sure that you're on the lineup to, in the lineup to close games for us. And, you know, maybe what we're going to discover with Austin Reeves is maybe this is his best role is a 30 minute a night guy who comes off the bench, but closes games. And you know what? That's perfectly fine. If that is his best role in the NBA, he'll have a good, long, productive career mm -hmm. in that kind of role. And then maybe it turns into, all right, if we move on from D'Angelo Russell, we rebalance the roster in another way. Maybe then he starts and it fits a little bit better. But yeah, it wasn't working great with the two of them next to each other in the starting group. And this just does balance things. I, I think this is where the, the whole, it's not a demotion, it's a realignment quote does make sense because because too many people think that a player being benched is a demotion. It means like yeah. they're, they're no good. Now, when I hear benched now, how I think of being benched means is you're not playing. You're, not playing. Like yes. you're at the end of the bench and you're not going to play. And we see that happen with every single team does that at some point in the course of the season. I just think this is you're coming off the bench. And again, yeah. still going to play 30 minutes a night. So, you know, it, it, in a lot of ways, too, it's probably better for him, too, because he's he is at a higher level than a lot of um, other backup guards that are going to be covering him. So he should be able to be pretty good. And there's a lot of reasons a lot of guys come off the bench and, you know, often they're they're good. Like I think of, it's weird because it's kind of the, the, the you know, what, what was he? Uh, Mach one, Austin Reeves was Alex Caruso in a lot of ways, even though they're very, very different players. But yes. Alex Caruso, the Bulls are basically been saying, yeah, we bring him off the bench because of the way he plays. If we started him and really counted on him to play 35 minutes a night as a starter, he, he was he's not going to hold up. He's going to get hurt. Uh, throughout the course of the year. So I it's it, it, it was an interesting story, you know, and I know some people poked fun at it and had their fun with it, but I think at the end of the day, it's it's perfectly fine and it's not something anyone should get too worked up over. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. And um, both, is, I mean, Austin has seemed to have been kind of unleashed since he's been coming off the bench, mm -hmm. and maybe this is the path forward. All right, enough LA talk. Uh, team... <laughs> are scouting the Bulls right now, but not because, Keith, they're preparing to play against the Bulls, not because they're preparing to deal with the uber-effective schemes that the Bulls are going to throw at them or figure out how to defend Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan and all that kind of stuff. Well, I'm sure they are looking for those things too, but teams are scouting the Bulls because they expect the Bulls to potentially be a fire sale team around the trade deadline, and I know Bulls fans are probably fist-pumping right now saying, sell, sell, sell. <laughs> right? They just want them to pick a direction here, but uh, the Chicago Bulls potentially a team to move on from some pieces and certainly somebody to keep an eye on. Although as the Toronto Raptors have shown us for so many years that even being in a position where you think they should sell, that doesn't mean they're going to. Yeah. I, I think for the Bulls, I'm a hundred percent there that it's time, but I'm also like, I have nothing invested in. I don't want to see this, Bulls team as presently constructed be a, a play-in tournament team. Like, it just mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I just don't like, like, okay, cool. Like, that's not, like, that's bad for them. Whereas, like, a team like Oklahoma City last year, you're sure. on your way up. So if you're a play-in tournament team, that's great. If you're the Orlando Magic this season and you're a play-in tournament team, who knows, maybe beyond. But even if you're just in the play-in tournament, that's a good thing, right? That's you're on your way up. You 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 yes. reach that status. With the Bulls, like that's not where you want to be. So for me, I don't have anything invested in beyond 
Like I want them to pick a direction that I think makes sense. Now it's, I'll fully say personal opinion is I'd rather be at where they're at for their players at this stage of their careers. I'd rather be trading them off and bottoming out and resetting, but I get it. That's not where bulls ownership has ever really been. Uh, the one year that they did kind of bottom out and they came away with Derek Rose. That was almost a happenstance thing versus a, we tried to do this mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I, I'm not fully sold. I mean, they're four and six right now. They're sitting obviously just outside the playing tournament because everybody is. No, you know, nobody's you know so far away at mm. this point in the young season. But it is like if that maintain if they're like in that position and they're a game and two out of the playing tournament when we get into late January, early February ahead of the trade deadline, I'm not gonna expect that they do anything. I think that they'll probably just keep rolling forward. And for me, that would not, I'd be like, eh, that's not enough. I, you know, we'll, we'll punt, we'll drop down, we'll you know, do what we got to do draft-wise and and try to start to figure this stuff out. Mm-hmm. Because they still owe a draft pick out, I think it's the San Antonio from the DeRozan trade. So it's just messy. So I, I just, yeah, it, and they've got guys that I think teams would give up decent packages for whether it be DeRozan or yeah. Vucevic or Levine. Levine's a little tougher because he's owed a lot of money, but he's probably the best player for terms of production plus longevity um, of that group. And then they've got a bunch of role players. And I said it this morning because I watched uh, Bulls Pistons this morning and get Patrick Williams off this team. Like it's just, it's never going to happen there. I think he might be a good player, but it's just not going to happen with the Bulls. So let's get him onto another team that's going to give him a little bit more of a shot to find out what he could actually be. Yeah, they're trying too hard to make fetch happen. Yeah, and it's just not yeah. going to. It's just not going to. Do you to. see they're remaking that kind of? They are. Like that. Yeah, they're making a new version, which is weird. It still has um, Tina Fey is still in it as like a teacher, and it hmm. looks like they're running a lot of the same beats, but just with all like new young people. Uh, versus you know what it was before which they weren't really all that young um the I first know. time most of them so that was interesting like in their 30s that's always kind of thrown me off i remember the first one that got me with that was um uh she was like the nerd in beverly hills 90210 um andrea thanks oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. she was like 35 Carteris, I think, yeah, yeah. Name. she was yeah. like 35 playing yeah. like an 18 year old and i was like wait what I was right. like, how like how is this a thing? And then I remember uh I think it was my sister was like, that's how it always is. Like that's how it always is always way older than 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 they're supposed to be in those movies and TV yep. shows. And I was like, mind completely blown. Yeah. yeah I was not yeah. a big 90210 fan for what it was worth. I, no, I me either. I wasn't big on it. I, I remember getting excited because it looked like there was gonna be basketball in the show, and then it was always like a you know, five second subplot. And I was like, oh, well, this is dumb. I'm, I'm... And they never showed like real basketball. Yeah. Of course they couldn't, you know, and yes. Because none of them could probably good. play. No, no. All right. Uh, some more injury news. We've got Tyler Hero is out for two weeks with an ankle injury. Um, the Heat are going to have to kind of get by without him for, for a little yeah. bit here. Now, uh, Kyle Lowry has been, he's had his ups and downs in the, in the season, had some effective moments, but, uh, but, of course, you've got Jimmy to, to lean upon, but Duncan Robinson looks to be resurgent, and so that will help to buoy them without Hero. Not that they play the same role, but a, an improved Duncan Robinson this season does in some ways help mitigate the loss of, I mean, not just Hero, but also Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, mm-hmm. keeps them afloat here. 
Yeah, Robinson just he's just such a different player, right? He's just he's he's really a shooter. Um, but what mm-hmm. looks good is it looks like him and Bam Adebayo have rediscovered that like DHO magic that they had a few years ago when they really the bubble season and then the year after, uh, where those two worked so well together. So we'll see. They're fortunate you can run a lot of stuff through Bam Adebayo. Um, which is something that they've done in the last uh, couple of games here without mm-hmm. Tyler Hero. Uh, Butler missed one of those games. Lowry missed the other one uh, in their last two games. So, so bam, they're kind of – it's like, hey, we're going to use you like the Nuggets use Jokic and the Rockets use Shingun and the Kings use Sabonis. We're going to run a ton of stuff through you because we believe in it and he's delivering and he can do it. We've seen him do it in the past. He, he's a guy who should probably average – six seven assists per game mm-hmm. if he had the usage up high enough uh there but they've won five in a row they get off to a one and four start they were kind of sloppy looked a little sluggish they've now run one five in a row uh they're they're they moved up in the, in the east which because that's what happens this early in the season when you win a bunch of games my big thing is if this thing becomes a thing for hero and this doesn't clear up in like in the to, to steal your thunder here this is reevaluated in two weeks so this could be a little <laughs> longer um but if it becomes a much longer thing there's only so much scheming and gimmicky stuff you can do eventually talent wins out because teams will see it they'll start uh scheming for it themselves and they'll be a little bit more ready so this miami team just doesn't have a ton of depth and we're not at the point in the year yet where they've cranked out four random g league guys and turned them into productive rotation players where it's like where did this come from so that 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 comes tends to be a little later in the year so just something to keep an eye on for now but five in a row stay more than afloat keith what's your what's your catchphrase like I think I talk about, you know, the uh, reevaluation does not equal return. That's something I say all the time. Uh, no trade is better than a bad trade. Is something I say a lot around the trade deadline. What what what's something that what's one of your go tos? Uh, if it's not a like a, a um, crutch phrase where I just throw it in there, I would say it's probably it'll be interesting or it's something to keep an eye on. Like I I. Don't know why I put those in there all the time to end points or to make your transitions. Something I do. It's those stick with me. So yeah, that's probably, probably it. Or I, I always like to, when we get into to trade season is what matters is that the salary matches like i'll i'll hammer that point home right, a right. Lot on trades so that's that's probably it but people can put in the comments because i'm sure they have other things yeah what what are we not because there i'm sure there's stuff we say all the time without yeah. realizing it mm-hmm. so listeners watchers let us know what what is it that we say up what are our our catchphrases our go-to's let us know in, in the comment section. My biggest crutch phrase that I can't get rid of is, you know, you know, and I tend yep. to talk so fast that I say it fast enough that it sounds like, yo, and I did uh, a Nick show and people were like, you have like the most weird Boston kind of accent, but saying, yo, like a New Yorker would punctuate sentences with. That's very weird. I was like, I'm actually not saying, yo, I'm saying, you know, <laughs> it's just coming out so fast that, it, that it's, yo. <laughs> I'm just imagining. So, so now, so now, you know, the Knicks, they've got, they've got yep. a cap. They've really got a real cap situation. Yo, they've got, got it. <laughs> yep. That's pretty much how it comes they're, out. They're, they're thinking you're saying, yo, I like yep. it. All right. Let's get into uh, the Blazers. My goodness, so injured, so yeah. injured. Scoot Henderson, Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams, who, by the way, did have season-ending ending surgery. 
Uh, there's others too. There's other Blazers. Anthony Simons. Uh, there, there's tons of injuries for the Blazers. It was enough to where when the Blazers were playing the Lakers last night, there were a number of times I was doing the live play-by-play of the game. There were a number of times where I'm looking and I'm going, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Who I don't know who that, that is. Yeah. <laughs> who is that? That's out yeah, there. Yeah, Jeremy Bouillet the Blazers. played uh, qu- qu- quite a bit uh, in that game. Just called right up from the G League and thrown yep. right in that. And as a Skylar Mays backup at the point guard spot. It, it's funny. Remember when we were like, how are the Blazers going to find minutes for all these guards? And I yep. was like, well, this is how none of them there are There you out. go. Yeah, so with this, you mentioned Rob Williams uh, season, chose the season-ending route with the knee surgery. That's the right route. There's no reason to come back. Uh, you know, Get it this yeah. fixed. Like, Try to get this fixed. To be clear, once again, just to emphasize, this was the opposite knee from the one he hurt a couple years ago when the Celtics were making their run to the NBA Finals. This is in the opposite knee. And my guess is uh, completely uh, you know, not knowing for sure, it's probably related from, you know, just wear and tear and putting more mm-hmm. on that other leg. Anybody who was watching the Celtics, we started to realize he didn't really want to land on the previously injured leg the same way he had before. So you once you start like- doing that, yeah, you're going to put stress on. And my guess is that's where this came from. Yeah. But get it fixed. Have the season-ending surgery. There's no reason to return. This Portland team is going nowhere right now. Scoot Henderson's out two to three more weeks. Additionally, on some bone bruising, yeah, on that uh, same ankle that he sprained. So that's that's a bummer. And and I said this on um, Twitter. I said this is just starting to feel like a lost season. And I had some Blazers fans are like, yeah, no kidding. It was supposed to be that way. And it's like, no, you're misreading what I'm saying. Like, yeah. you're gonna be bad anyway. You might as well be bad with guys on the floor. So you're figuring out what you have. Yes. And that, you know, well, how, how do Scoot, Simons, and Sharp fit? Can they all three play together? Is there a better grouping of two that works better than another grouping of two of those guys? You know, where are we going with that? And then you also run into, you know, without Williams. I mean, I know I was completely against the idea of goofing around with Williams and Aiton together. Um, but, like, 
can it work? You know, why not try it in a season where you're going to lose these games anyway? No, we don't it really know. doesn't matter the result. So that's what I mean when I say a lost season is I mean, you're missing opportunities for evaluation. Like that's really what this is about. And when you lose that and you're losing games, that's how it becomes a lost season versus just a bad season win loss record wise to yeah. clean up transactions. Just to be clear, uh, Skylar Mays, who was on a two way was that they had an open roster spot. He was elevated, converted into a standard uh, contract really out of necessity. They needed him um, on the guard line, just with all these guys out. And then, um, Jimmy uh, Bouye, who had been with the Miami Heat and had played um, in the G League, he was uh, brought in on a two-way contract and immediately thrown in. I want to say, I think he played like 15 minutes last night. He played uh, 12 minutes as mm-hmm. uh, as Mays' backup. So that that's kind of your point guard uh, position going forward there. And they, they had a, another two, two-way guy in the mix uh, last night. Um you know, Duop Reith, um, who's a big out of Australia. I know I, the little bit that I watched and uh, before I went to bed, people were like, well, who is this big guy that's shooting yeah. all these threes yep. um, for Portland? And that's, that's what we that's were what saying. Does. <laughs> yeah, like, so who is this you know, guy? Yeah, you know, that's what he does. And then, you know, Tumani Kamara can play. Like, he's actually done some stuff for them. Uh, he was the second rounder they got in the uh, Lillard trade um, along with Aiden. So, yeah, but just disappointing for Portland that it's mm-hmm. turned into such a mess yeah yeah and uh certainly a team to keep an eye on with jeremy grant who looks probably a little too good to be out there with this this team right now the team that's going nowhere somebody's going to come calling for him at some point just the question is how much does this contract hinder a trade negotiation but wouldn't shock me if he was a guy that's on the move before uh that february 8th deadline yeah i think what you could see with jeremy grant is does this turn into one where it is, uh, oh, hey, that's good news. De'Aaron Fox um, back either tonight or on Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> Wednesday five versus the Lakers. <laughs> we knew it. We knew it. As soon as they started talking about his injury status, I went, he's coming back on Wednesday. Yep. So, I mean, well, that's good news for the Kings. And yep, absolutely. Back in the lineup. Uh, yeah, with Jeremy Grant, what I was going to say on him is, I think, I wonder if this becomes like a, hey, we'll take some bad money back to juice up the draft pick return because I don't think Jeremy Grant's going to return. He might get you a first, you know, from, from a team that needs, you know, a forward that can come in and play right away. But I think it is, let's get into a spot where we'll take back some questionable money from you if you'll give us two first. And then that's how you, you, you juice up your draft pick return. Yeah. Yep. That's it. That's it, and we'll see if uh, if the Blazers are able to get something like that done. There's certainly, a, in addition to the Bulls, they're another team to keep an eye on. We, we'll maybe do, maybe around like the 15-game mark or something like that, we'll do, which is you know coming up in like a week, we'll do um, teams to watch sure. you know, in terms of, uh, or players to watch uh, at the trade deadline, just guys to keep an eye on early, and uh, and, and we'll take a look at that. Uh, yeah, right, and just to just sneak preview, I will have a piece that comes out about a month from now, right ahead of early trade season opening up, just kind of guys to keep an eye on mm-hmm. um, for trades. But yeah, well, we, we could do that here too, because that'll be good, because I'll make some notes and put them in the piece later. It's it's like a preview for the preview. <laughs> it is. There, there you go. Uh, Zion Williamson trying to buy in with the Pelicans. They have been uh, struggling, haven't been winning as many games as, as they would hope. I believe they're four and six. Yep. Right now, Lincoln in terms of five in a row, yeah, it's right. not been not been great uh, for New Orleans. I'm pulling them up right now, but uh, Zion trying to buy, they're trying to stay positive 
and, and trying to make sure that they get, you know, get everything in order here. Long way to go, obviously, in the season and plenty of time to turn things around. But Zion is a guy that you definitely need bought in if this team is going to go where they want to go. He also need him healthy. Uh, what do you think about him already saying, hey, he's just trying to stay bought in and stay focused? Yeah, I mean, that's not great. No, <laughs> it's November 13th as we record this. So let's uh, let's hope that we don't need to be having these conversations. And he said, like, there's a conversation at the end of last season or something before, you know, about what he's going to do. And if you look at some of the stuff on paper, you start to be like, oh, geez, they've got three guys averaging 20 points per game. And you've got Herb Jones, who's an all-world defender. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jonas Valanciunas is pretty solid. And, uh, you know, Jordan Hawkins has looked good when he yeah. has played. But I think your challenge is it's injuries, one, first and foremost, right? A bunch of these guys have already missed, uh, you know, time. Only uh, Valanciunas, Daniels, Hawkins, and uh, Larry Nance, and two-way player Matt Ryan have played in um, all 10 games for this team. So that's mm-hmm. not great, right? Like that's, that's not a good place to be in. So I think, but hearing Zion say like, yeah, I need to get bought in. Like his numbers kind of across the board are just not good. And mm-hmm. they're not good enough. For him. The, the, the thing that's like really worrisome to me is his um, finishing around the rim has been poor. He's only at 51% overall from the field. He came into this season as a, um, as a 60% shooter from the field uh, to when he started his career. So that's that's worrisome when we get into that kind of spot. He is at, let me see, his field goal attempts um, at the rim are only 47% of his shots, mm. where those have been at in his first three seasons, granted 24 games, 61 games, 29 games, and an entire missed year in there. But he was at 74%. 69% and 62%. 47% for Zion with what he does and where it's, where it's transitioned to. He's not taking more threes. He's not taking more long twos. They're all coming from Florida range in the paint. He's up at 48% in there where he used to be at 18, 25, and 30. So that's very worrisome. And then his finishing yeah. at the rim, it's down in the range of it's at about 72%, which is really not too bad, but it's at finishing in that Florida range. He's at 36%, which is really not good. So it's not like him. Yeah. Get to the rim. And my worry is, can he not like, is that Mm. the problem, right? Does he not have the explosiveness to get there? And if that's where it is, you can feel however you feel about the Pelicans, but that sucks because we then collectively as basketball fans were robbed of a guy who should have been one of the most fun players for a decade. And if he can't be that guy, then it's what it is. It's scary. Do you know who my favorite pre-draft comp was for Zion? Because we weren't doing the show right Charles Barkley, uh, Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson. All right. And how about that? I'll take two guesses. Is he, are we going down the Larry Johnson career path? Right. Mm. Larry Johnson was super explosive, was amazing going to the basket and then lost it. And just he was still a good player for a number of years, but he was never that guy again after, you know, knee injury. So that's that's my worry is, you know, I I just, you know, I I hope I'm wrong. I hope he's just he needs a handful more games to get himself in shape and fully feel confident. But he doesn't have that blow by ability and that ability to just explode you know, up and over players at the, you know, to finish at the basket. I, 
I don't know, man, that just, that sucks. Yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely does. And not, not where we want this to go with Zion Williamson. Like you said, it's, and think about this, it's, it's Zion Williamson, Ben Simmons. Now John Morant is dealing with all his stuff. Like so many of these good, exciting young players mm -hmm. that it just kind of feels like we we haven't gotten to see become what we hoped they would become. And, and look, Jaw's back in what 15 games. Maybe he picks it up and gets going there. You know, Ben Simmons has been a bit better this season, but still, it, it just we had so much hope for all of these guys at, yeah. at one point. And I'm sure, and there's other guys I'm sure I'm leaving out here. And they just haven't quite lived up to the billing yet. And I just I hope they do. I hope they do. Because yeah. because the NBA needs stars like them. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it, it, it really does get get to a point. So as I'm bad, just because I wanted to pull it up there while we're talking. So yeah, Larry Johnson, he played his first two years. He played 82 games each of his first two seasons. Next season, played 51 games. And then he was just never really the same as what, what he was as a finisher at the rim. He became a guy who took... At, for the time, a lot of mm -hmm. jump shots, a lot of three-pointers. Um, you're just never really fully developed back into that guy um, there. He still played another you know, number of seasons after missing um, you know, all that time in the 93-94 year, but just wasn't the same player uh, that, that you know, really you know, we all wanted him to be. He's kind of, I think everybody then remembered him as the guy who would take you know, jumpers on the Knicks. Right, because that, that's yeah. really what he turned into was was that late, you know, player. And, and I realized some of our audience is like, I don't even know who you're talking about. Right? <laughs> Grandma Ma. What? Yeah, yeah, that guy. Like he he was once a super athlete. Like, but he was like that's what he was. So this was the year before he got hurt. Ninety two, ninety three. He was an all star. Averaged forty point five minutes per game. Played all eighty two games. Fifty three percent shooter from the field. Took under one three pointer uh, per per game. 22 points, 10 rebounds, four assists. Like, that's where Zion was at. Like, that's what yep. he was. You know, so that's why I just, you know, I, I didn't want him to live up to the pre-draft comp of Larry Johnson for this. I yeah. wanted him to be what Larry Johnson should have been. And now I'm afraid maybe we are going to be Larry Johnson. Oh, well, speaking of the Hornets, like that connection there, uh, yeah. Miles Bridges, a, a significant role when he comes back. Um, I know I could see the expression on your face. Yeah, Keith. I. What What do you think? I mean, I get it. Like, I don't know. I'm. I'm. I don't want to make peace with this being how this is going to go. I. I. I can't understand with the second set of allegations how this is even a thing. Like how, like Steve Clifford, and and I'm not blaming Steve Clifford for this because this is an organizational decision, not a coach mm -hmm. decision. But he said, you know, he's been practicing. He looks good in practice. He looks like he's in great shape. And that's why he'll play a significant role. And this was after he kind of was like, I don't know if he's going to start or what What's going what it's going to look like. Um, and to be clear why this is coming up, he can play Friday. So at the end of this week, he'll be eligible to play. He'll complete his – it was a 30-game suspension with 20 games credit time served, so 10 mm -hmm. more uh, this year after he missed all of last season uh, as he went unsigned. You can't suspend a player who was unsigned, So, but the NBA kind of worked it out with the Hornets and with Bridges' representation and all that. So I just – I don't know. It feels like – it. If we were at a point where the initial allegations had happened 
and we're a full year plus later, almost a year and a half later, and there is a belief of Miles Bridges did what he needed to do to become a better person and get things moving in the right direction, I would feel a completely different way about this. I would still say eh, it still feels a little shaky to me, but I get it. But we had this second round of stuff that happened and it just feels like that happened and everybody collected was, Oh, we're going to investigate it, but like, we're really going to brush it under the rug and maybe Mm -hmm. more is coming and maybe more will pop up. I just don't feel good about this. Like nothing feels good about this strictly basketball wise. Charlotte can use them. Um, They've had a lot of injuries, so we'll see what it looks like. Brendan Miller rolled an ankle on Sunday afternoon. It sounds like he's going to be day to day, but I don't know. That part seems so far secondary to the rest of this. Uh, I just, I, I quite honestly, after the second round of allegations, I was a little surprised the Hornets didn't just wave him and say, take the money. We'll figure we'll, we'll fight that out in arbitration if we need to and just moved on. But here we are. Maybe something will come out that he wasn't involved or wasn't whatever it's possible. They said happened. I don't know, but right now for everything we know, it seems a little, a little off. To be, I mean, here. they got to let the legal process play out sure. and see and see what ultimately is there. Because what, like, if they were to just waive him, and then it comes out that the, the allegations are totally wrong, then that's 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 a tough that's that's a yeah. tough situation to, to be in. Right? I just so think I, then at that point you just chalk it up to there's just too much around him. Like it's better for him and us to go our separate sure. ways and start fresh. But yeah, I, I hear you. Like, and that's why, like, I, it's funny because I have seen a lot of people suggest like like the NBA has used kind of this administrative leave in like gray area in the past. Like, why are we not just using that now? Like, let this play out. Like, let it, let the legal process play out. No one's saying you're suspended. We're just, just go away until this is, you know, solved one way or another. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, as long as he's still, if he's still getting his paycheck and all that, but I think the, the challenge is if you tell him just go away and he really wants to, play basketball sure like like let's say all of this comes and again i'm not saying this is the way it's going to go it's certainly not the way it seems but let's say all of this comes out and he's falsely accused and it turns out all of this was was incorrect then he kind of got punished for stuff that it turned out he didn't even do but the punishment has already been been levied so that's that's the part that i'm always uneasy about with this stuff but i agree this is it's not a good it's not good (laughs) right now yeah i mean i hope i'm not saying that's the way this is going to go yeah, I hope we don't get to Friday and it's like Miles Bridges return game for the Hornets. And they're like all fire. Right. Like, just fine. If we're going to do this, just, you know, let Steve Clifford play him and kind of we'll cover it like we do with any other basketball story. But even that just feels, I don't know, it just feels off. Like, it, I, I, there's no better way that I can put it for myself than it just feels off hmm. to be at this point with him. All right. Well, we've got that coming up. Uh, We've got a couple of stories left, but why don't we save those ones for tomorrow? Sure. Um, that way we'll have plenty of time to get into them and everything like that. Um, Just besides, so we end on a positive No. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Tyrese Maxey? Oh, my God. 50-point game? 50 like, points. Was, did you hear what Joel Embiid? He said something along the lines of, like, I've had 50-point games, but I also shoot 20 free throws in them. <laughs> so, like, it was kind of funny. And then he called Maxey the franchise. Um, which was cool. And then wow. all love to Tyrese Maxey too. He made the post game all about Kelly Uber Jr. Like wouldn't even talk about himself. He's like, I just want to talk about my teammate who I only just met, but I already love the guy. Like, you know, that was just so cool. But man, Tyrese Maxey. He's been great. Philly, 
it was funny. So this was something uh, Bobby Marks. They might be. Yeah. Bobby Marks put this out there. Tyrese Maxey might be the first player to not extend for and then get the um the the uh, second tier max, the designated player maximum, um, but earn it like in season. Nobody's done yeah. that yet. Guys have extended and had that qualifier and earned it that way, but nobody has not extended and then earned it and then signed for it. It's it you'd be, I mean, again, we're 10 games in. There has not there have not been six guards in the league better than Tyrese Maxey no. um this season. Like that definitely not. So, you know, long way to go yet. Long, long way to go. But Philly might be paying up quite a bit more than what they're expecting to off of that. Doesn't impact their ability to use cap space or any of their plans there. But what it does is that's like seven million more that's going on the tax bill towards sure. the tax bill that you weren't expecting. And that gets, that's where that stuff gets very complicated all at once. But uh, I'll tell you this, like, as we, we get into the numbers and all that kind of stuff, and as we, as we should, and you know, how much free space do they have and everything, Philly should be ecstatic to have oh, to pay him to, to yes. not even, I shouldn't even say the word have to, to get to <laughs> yeah. pay him that, right? Because that means that he's playing so ridiculously well that he's earned that kind of money. And that's, and that's what he's doing. And it also, it, Again, I don't want to just forever link James Harden and Russell Westbrook because they're two very, very different players. But I think back to the Lakers where it was like Austin Reeves last year, and I know he's had his struggles this year, but the Austin Reeves last year, we kept seeing small sample sizes, but hey, he's pretty good. What if they just gave him the ball more? <laughs> yep. And then they trade away Russell Westbrook and that put the ball more into the hands of Austin Reeves and off they went and he blew up. I'm kind of seeing a similar thing here with, with James Harden to an even greater degree. I mean, Austin Reeves is never dropping 50 points, right? Tyrese Maxey seems to be unleashed by removing James Harden from this team. So in a in a weird roundabout way, the 76ers may end up the, a net positive by trading away James Harden and not even getting necessarily a great return for him. This, is, this seems to have opened things up completely for Tyrese Maxey to become far better than this James version of James Harden was ever going to be. Yeah. This is a, like, this is now a textbook example of addition by subtraction. Yeah. Right. Where it's, you know, now all of a sudden he gets to blow up. You have a little bit better balance in your lineups. Uh, he's still not a great defender. He, he's, no. he, he's just kind of small and he doesn't do that, but now you don't, now you have Melton who is a pretty solid defender in the backcourt with him. And yeah, I just, I looked after a bunch of negative stories, let's end on a positive with what a cool thing. I mean, 50 points and 20 of 32 shooting. And if anything, probably should have shot more. Like he probably should have taken more shots. I can tell you my attitude. If I was in the NBA and I was 20 or 32, I would not have finished that way. I would have finished. I would be more likely to finish 20 of 50 than I would have 20 of 32. <laughs> like I'm on a heater. Move out of my way. That's it. I would have been like, get out of the way. These shots are going up. Yeah. Yeah. And look, this is the 76 has been better than expected because Maxie's been in part because Maxie has been so good. Yeah. So, We'll see. And Joel Embiid's still pretty good, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's not bad. <laughs> he he had a monster game last night that's, like, completely lost now to history because of this. It was funny. I it Just last thing on this, somebody did said, I think it was Josh Eberle on uh, Twitter, had suggested last night, he's like, could this be the first game where we see two teammates get 50 each? Because mm. they, they were both trending that way at one point in the game. And uh, nobody, no two teammates have ever done that. And it prompted me to look up just to make sure I had this right. 
Did you know the game where Will Chamberlain scored 100 points? Uh-huh. The other four starters all scored in double figures, too. No, and, really? And the six man scored nine points in that game. The other team, who, who was the uh, New York Knicks, had three guys score over 30 points in that game. And where where Chamberlain scored the hundred, so just yeah, I, I knew that I knew I was pretty certain the other four starters had all scored in double figures because I've looked at that box score a million times in my life to try to understand it. But yeah, so just just little fun aside there on you know high scoring games. Do you know what the highest outside of Chamberlain, obviously, and outside of like crazy closest two teammates have ever gotten? Hmm. Do, do, do you know? I'm, I'm guessing. I'm going to say. Uh... I'm going to say like Jordan and Pippen did it at some point. They hit like 90 or something. That's just a complete, um, that's a shot in the dark. Yeah. Hold on. I want to make sure I get it right. It's Kiki Vandaway. And um, it was a game where the Nuggets played the Pistons. um, And you're saying two guys score 50, not two guys combined for a hundred, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Two, two guys over 50. It was, um, let me find this. Here it is. Here's the box score. Um, all right. Kiki Vandaway scored 51 points and mm-hmm. um, Alex English scored 47 points Ooh. as the uh, the Detroit Pistons beat the Denver Nuggets 186 to 184. It was the <laughs> highest scoring game in NBA history. It was triple Please. overtime. I was going to say that had to be it had to be multiple yep. overtimes there. Yeah. Triple overtime. Uh, but yeah, Vandaway 51 and English 47. Um, wow. in, in that same game, in that game, uh, Isaiah Thomas had 47 and 17, um, in that game. So he, he was the big, uh, big scorer for the Detroit Pistons that night, but yeah, 186 to 184, uh, in that game. So wow. yeah, crazy, right? Yeah. 51 and 47 Kiki Vandaway and Alex English, Alex English, always a underrated, uh, score. He's a good, good one when you're doing like those, um, what are they immaculate grid type things uh-huh. and stuff. If there's a nugget and scoring, uh, he's always a good one to play. And I one. like it. Good one. Yeah. yeah. Good. Uh, some, some positivity to close out the day. <laughs> positivity, to close out the yeah. day. I like it. And a little I history. Like uh, always, always appreciate it, but all right, we'll wrap things up there. I want to thank everybody again for joining us. Make sure that you do subscribe to the YouTube channel as well as the podcast feed. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.